Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. What's going on, you good humans, and welcome to a very special episode of Good Humans Podcast. This is guest episode number 75 with my great friend, Elodie Pullen. This podcast is a place where I get to chat to inspiring people about their stories, but what I really love about this podcast is Not only do I chat to the people about their highlights, I also talk to them about their lowlights, which I truly think we can learn so much from people's vulnerabilities and learning from their stories. If you do enjoy today's episode, please do go back and listen to a few of the other episodes. A few highlights are my sister's episode, Chloe Fisher, back on episode number 28, and also Laura Enova, episode four. Both are great friends of Elodie and both... Um, I was going to say I like sisters to me, but Chloe is my sister and Laura is like a sister to me, just like Elodie. So please go back and listen to those if you do enjoy today's episode. Also, if you enjoy today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating. Click that follow and subscribe button. Um, it would be awesome for you to keep coming back, listening to the incredible people who are, yeah, being guests on Good Humans Podcast. A massive thank you to our sponsor, Arepa. Arepa is a brain function drink. It's developed by neuroscientists. Over $5 million in clinical studies have gone into this drink to make sure that it actually works. So it's all about short-term brain performance, but also long-term brain health. It's got three ingredients that are very key. Uh, New Zealand neuroberry, also L-theanine, which is a calming agent from green tea, and a pine bark extract, exogenol. So go check them out. Why I'm mentioning it today, it is Black Friday sales. If you're listening to this podcast the first few days, it comes out on their website, drinkarepper.com. You can get a huge 30% off their whole range. Also use the code GOODHUMAN at the checkout. Please go check them out. They are incredible. And yeah, it's something that I use every single day and it just improves my brain performance. So if you care about your brain, go check out Drink a Repper. Uh, it'll be in the show notes. Also a very special one, the Good Human Factory, my mental health organization is having a big Black Friday sale also. We're doing 30% off all of our summer merch. Pretty much the whole website has minimum 30% off, um, which is a big discount. Hopefully you guys can get involved, get some Christmas presents. But the very special thing is all of our winter merch, so we have hoodies and tracksuit pants that have just been sitting there for a couple months now, 50% off all of them. We want to clear it off the shelf, so it'd be a big help if you can go grab something. Amazing Christmas presents. Everything is heavily discounted, and it would be awesome if you could go and check it out. So head over to thegoodhumanfactory.com. As soon as you put it into your cart, it will be automatically discounted. And, yeah, very, very appreciative. This does help me fund my mental health organization, The Good Human Factory, where I run mental health workshops, plus um, do the merchandise, have this podcast, and a whole range of things. So, Purchasing merch is a big help for us. All right. Today's episode, Elodie Pullen. Wow. Elodie's a girl that I grew up with. She's best friends with my sister, Chloe. And up until 
I guess two and a half years ago, she was going through life in the most perfect, beautiful way. And then tragically, her partner, Alex Chumpy Pullen, who was a world champion snowboarder, also a great friend of mine. The last conversation I actually had with Chumpy was talking to him about coming on Good Humans podcast, which is just so, so sad. But he unfortunately had a tragic shallow water blackout, spearfishing one day on the Gold Coast and just didn't come home one day. Elodie has had one of the most difficult couple years or a few of the most difficult years of her life, losing her partner. Her dad then passed away. But out of all of this despair, the most beautiful thing has come from a little mini Alex, um, yeah, mini Alex Pullen, her beautiful daughter who came from a sperm retrieval um, procedure from when Chumpy had just passed away. We do talk about it all in the podcast, so I'm not going to tell you too much more. Please share this podcast around. It's such an important story for people to hear. Go and pick up Elodie's book as well, Heartstrong. I read the book within about 10 hours, not even 10 hours, within like two sittings, cried the whole way through it. It's so, so powerful, so beautiful. And it's a great way to learn how to deal with, not deal with, but how to be there for people when they're grieving and when they're going through difficult times. So please go get that book. It will be in the show notes. Um, Yeah, please just really enjoy this episode. Sit back, enjoy it, share it with your friends after, and yeah, let's jump straight into it. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast, Elodie Pullen. How you going, Al? Thanks for having me, Coops, you good human. Oh my God, I've been so excited for this chat for a very long time. We've been talking about it probably <laughs> since the start of Good Humans Podcast, and we're finally doing it. It's um yeah, very exciting to be sitting down here and having a chat to you, but the first thing I'm going to ask you is, what are you grateful for right now? I was driving here and I was thinking, I think I'm grateful for the sunshine because it's been like pretty rainy lately, so I'm pretty frothing on that. It's nice, eh? How good mm, sun, is sunny Gold Coast, like waking up, 4 a.m. sunrise. Just so, like, oh, the sun gets up so early lately and I'm like, no, 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 Minnie, we, we, we don't wake up at 4, but the sun does, <laughs> yeah. not you. <laughs> Strictly the sun, not us. <laughs> yeah. We're going to sleep for a few more hours. Yeah, well, today's going to be a good fun chat, but first I'm going to, you said to me, when are we going to get to open these drinks? So the sponsor of my podcast is Drink Arepa. It's a brain function drink, good for long-term brain health, but also short-term brain performance, all natural, um, no caffeine in it. It's got neuroberry. Um, it's also got pine bark extract and L-theanine, which is like the calming agent in um, green tea. So you've got Delicious. the performance one, give it a little shake and then yeah, it's going to taste very black currency, but it should get us fired up for the chat right now. So well, cheers. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Excited for a good chat. What do you think? Mm, yeah, it is Ribena-y, but healthy Ribena vibes. Yeah. Because that Ribena. That's so good. It's nice. Mm, huh? That would go good with like a bit of tequila, bro. <laughs> Yeah, you can try it. I don't drink, but I'll, I'll send you some so you can put that or you can Yum. try the fizzy one with some tequila so you can, mm. yeah. That would actually be good. I'm going to have red teeth now. A little bit purple, you'll be right. Just lick them. That's, <laughs> no, nah, you're, that's you're fine. no, that's really yummy. I always that's have good. to be holding something. It must be like a nervous habit. Mm, well, no nerves today. <laughs> Just getting to chat about your story, which is um a very unique one. You've obviously been through some crazy ups and downs the uh, last couple of years, which we will get into, but... I've been very lucky to know you for a long time. I mean, you're like a sister to me, which Forever. is so cool. So getting to have this chat is going to maybe be a bit different to a lot of the interviews that you have done over the last year or two. Hopefully we can go a bit deeper and have a bit of a giggle along the way about some of the things that have happened. And also, I mean, if it's anything like your book, maybe shed a tear later in the podcast, but <laughs> anything can happen the next hour. And yeah, I'm excited to get to know your story. So let's rewind back to the beginning. Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? I mean, I know this, but what was life like as a kid for you? Okay. 
Born in Monavale, grew up between Narrabeen and Worrywood because my mum lived in Narrabeen and my dad lived in Worrywood, so you're from Narrabeen. Yeah. So we, we, like, grew up so close together. My parents split up when I was, like, one. My brother was, like, two or three. So, yeah, we've always had a bit of a weird upbringing. But, I mean, like, every second family is, like, comes from a, every second person's like, comes from a broken family, so mm. it's pretty kind of normal. Um. Yeah, grew up, went to school on the northern beaches, um, both primary and high school, and then came. Actually, we moved to Mossman for a hot minute or for like a few years. When my mum first left my dad, we moved like to the more towards the city, and then we came back to Narrabeen. Did you go to North Narrabeen Primary? No, I went to Sacred Heart Mona Vale. Ah, okay, okay. And then Marta Maria High School. So we never went to school together. Okay. Nah, weird. Nah, we but didn't. no, Chloe ended up coming to Marta. Um, in yeah, like, yeah, in yeah. Like eight or nine. yeah, so that's when I got to know her and then obviously yeah. got to know you guys. But I actually reckon I knew like you would have known me from before because of, of your beach. brother Dave at the um beach at Narrabeen, like yeah. we were and your dad surfing there, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I knew Soph, I always knew her before I knew Chloe, really. But she would have been like one or like, well, I don't How know, did, you know, did I know her? I feel like I, knew, I feel like Laura introduced because I knew Laura always, yeah, it would have been and then. But she would have been so. But she would have been like. Had you well, known Laura been way then? Oh, you knew Laura through day through okay. surfing. Yeah. Uh huh. Interesting. Yeah, but Soph must have been like five or something. Yeah. Don't know. Good old Soph. We love Soph. She's the best. I Soph's love you, Soph. Wow. Um. So school life. Let's um talk about what the journey was like at school. Um. Honestly, I I. I had a pretty cruisy school life. I didn't I didn't have too many problems. And I know that a school is pretty shit for heaps of people. Mm. Um like I mean I, I'm not academic. I didn't really like school. I actually tried to wag and shit a lot of times. Like in high school, I tried to like not go. My mum was like a stickler for the rules. So I like would literally come down with fucking COVID nineteen and she'd be like, nah, you're going to school. <laughs> like I'd be like, I need to actually go to the hospital. And she'd be like, no, you're going to school. So I definitely was never allowed to be sick or miss school. So I would rebel a little bit and just like, yeah, mum, I'm walking to school. And then instead just fucking walk to the beach and hang there or something. <laughs> like I, I'm not that academic, but I'm very street smart, everybody. Um, but, no, I just, like, I just went to school, honestly, to hang out with my friends. Mm. I, I didn't, I just hate, I hate to say this, like, out loud because I sound like an idiot, but I just didn't, I just I'm such a practical visual learner. I don't like I need to be touching things and doing things and I don't like sitting still. So, yeah, I don't reckon I just am one of those people that really don't believe that school's for everyone. Absolutely. That was the exact thing I was going to finish what you just said there, saying like you don't sound like an idiot for not thinking it's for you. I think it's a very, very normal thing to think Mm. that every single young person can fit into this one box that is school Mm. is ludicrous. It's like you're trying to compare a fish and a monkey trying to climb a tree. It's like obviously the monkey's <laughs> going to be able to climb the tree better. Like we're all so different. That's a good we one. We all have such different skills, yet we all get put together and try and get 100 out of the same exam. We try and run the fastest yeah. in this race. We try and swim the fastest. And you're obviously going to have different upbringings and you're going to have different yeah. skills and different self-beliefs. And, yeah, school isn't for everyone. And I think um, as your story goes on, it's going to show, like, you can do stuff after school whether or not you highly succeed at school. So it doesn't really matter. Funnily enough, I still went on to do uni. I did like nursing and then I did teaching and then I did business. I could never figure out what I wanted to do, but I always went on to study weirdly because I hated like education kind of, but I kind of just always had in my head that I had to do something after school. I had to get some sort of degree. So I don't know why I ended up doing that. I probably never really used it, but. Yeah. Isn't it funny how many people do do that? They finish and try and never use it. Go, yeah. They think 
because it's the thing to do, yes. oh, I better go and do yeah. a uni course just because I'm a bit lost rather than, yeah, it's so strange. I feel like there needs to be better pathways. And I feel like my mum had in her head like you you will do this, like you've got to go to uni. That's kind of what you do. You're at this. I wasn't at like a good school. I was just at like a regular school. But like I don't know, that's just kind of like everyone talks about in year 12, where are you going, what are you doing? And I'm like, fuck, I'm lucky that I ever made it to year 12. I actually <laughs> wanted to leave a few years ago, but okay. Like just enrolled in anything. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I tried teaching. I tried nursing. Then I ended up doing business, which I finished, but. Your business just, at uni. I did commerce. I've got a commerce degree. No I'll way. literally show you it because, like, I don't think Chloe believes me. No I way. did. A, I've got a commerce degree. Miss Spreadsheet doesn't yeah. believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just because she doesn't have one, she's jealous. I know. <laughs> I th- it is a bit of a funny one that Chloe does. She started a couple uni degrees. I think she did primary school teaching for like a week, and then did. yeah, she did. Yeah, I got the primary school teacher now. Everyone, do- yeah. Did Chloe do nursing for a minute too? No. I think she wanted to. I don't think she did. I did. I, I did nursing. You did nursing. Yeah, I'm an endorsed enrolled nurse I actually finished nursing worked as a nurse for a little while but I, I was so young I was literally 18 I only yeah, tell me this story I think a little bit in, in your book oh yeah you finished school did a nursing degree straight away and then went into working pretty young yeah I did the endorsed enrolled nursing course at TAFE which is just a year and then you go out into the field I did a m- bunch of pracs and um, I worked on some mental health wards which was just so eye-opening like at such a young age to realize like how much the mind just controls the body it was just freaking gnarly and it just mm. made me so sad and so self-aware of just like what other people are going through um that was really interesting I preferred to work on the mental health kind of side of things rather than like the medical because well yeah that was hectic as well but I felt like um I just felt like I had such responsibility over these people's lives like I was in the post-surgical ward for a while and I just I just thought well, I've, I've just got to get out if of here if you make like, one mistake you yeah can cost like life, literally yeah. if I if I just like the drugs and just everything you I just felt so responsible and I was like nah I just I'm too young for this yeah yeah Yep. And then what was that next step after you went, eh, you know what, nursing isn't for me? Yeah, so then I actually did teaching for a year and I thought, nah, I don't want to waste another three years doing this. This isn't for me. And then I was like, I'm here at uni. I've literally got to finish something. So I moved across to commerce and I did, I fast-tracked it. I did two and a half years of commerce. Well, it's like a three-year degree, so yeah. I just like smashed it really quickly. I did two and a half years of it and, yeah, finished that. But I actually missed my graduation because I think I was overseas or something. So I just have the certificate and I never got the photo with the Throwing the, the thing up sh- in the air. Yeah, I never got that. So I, all photo my friends. Or didn't, photo or it didn't happen. Yeah, literally, don't get a photo or it didn't happen. So I'm pretty sure all my friends just, like, think Three I never finished nothing, it. But yeah. I fucking did. I'm going to have to post my certificate or something. Oh, we'll, we'll post it somewhere. Everyone will know about it. I believe you. I believe you. Um, and then you met Chumpy. Let's talk about that. Yep. So met Chump. Do you know, I was there. The, it's really funny. The story that you talk about, Laura's there. 21st birthday. I remember it so clearly and I remember exactly what I was wearing because it was Do when you? I was dating Erica, who I'm sure will listen to this episode. Hello, Erica. Hi, Ezel. She was wearing like a leopard print onesie and then I was wearing an all orange um, prison jailbird outfit oh onesie. Oh, funny. Yes, and all the guys were wearing night. that. Yeah, and that was the night that you and Chumpy first sparked up. So let's talk about Chumpy for a Yeah. So we'd seen each other like here and there around the traps and like eyed each other off, but like I didn't think that like it could be anything really. Like, I mean, I thought who's that hot guy, but I was like, oh, fuck, like, you know, I think he like lives overseas or something, didn't know much about him. And then 
he came to Laura's 21st birthday. I was dressed like it was a onesie party, as yeah. you just said. So I was in this little weird pink onesie and he was wearing a mechanic outfit and we just like ran into each other on the stairs there and just hit it off. And it was just like I literally always get butterflies when I think about it because I just it just like it was like we just fell in love that that night and we just like really, really hit it off. And like it was just like we straight away knew we were going to be together. Like I, I knew it in my gut. I was like, this isn't one of these things where I just hook up with this guy and then I don't see him again. I was like this, like weirdly, because mm. I was so young and like also wasn't looking for guys, didn't want a guy at all. But it was just like, I can't ignore this. Yeah, you, like you're, like you just put out a book called, oh my God, I got to look at the front of it. <laughs> I just finished reading it, but I just, heartstrung, heartstrung. You forgot what I, my book was called. I, I was going to call it, I was going to say Chumpy Mini and Me, but it's heartstrung, <laughs> Chumpy Mini and Me. Um, and for oh, anyone who doesn't know your story, I'm going to give like a real quick highlighter pitch because then we're going to go through it. Your beautiful partner, Chumpy. For anyone who doesn't know, Alex Chumpy Pullen was um, a world champion snowboarder, flag bearer for Australia in the Olympics, one of the most incredible humans any of us have ever met, um, who tragically passed away in a spearfishing accident. And yeah, you've become a widow since then. So we're going to go back through and kind of talk about a few of the chapters of the book and talk about as much as you're willing to share, which I know you're so willing to share. Obviously, we're close friends and you've mm. shared a lot of it in your book. So let's um, let's talk about the start of that journey with Chumpy because I think it's really special. I was speaking to my partner, Carol, about this um, just yesterday because she's three quarters of the way through your book and she's like, it's making me like really believe in true love again. Like the way oh. you just ex- like because she went through some – anyway, Bless. it kind of like hearing your story and hearing even just the way you talked about it just then at that party, it's like – it gives me goosebumps just thinking about like the true love really is out there and that's exactly what you experienced and what you share in your book. So let's talk about those first couple of years of you and Chumpy being together. How was that? Yeah, it's funny. I feel like I got so lucky in that I did find like this amazing person. We did have this crazy connection and I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky that I had him. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I'm lucky or unlucky because I'm so unlucky that I lost him. Like how did that happen? Mm. And he's so unlucky and it's just like this weird thing that I'm, but I'm obviously so grateful and lucky because imagine if I didn't kind of know him or get to know him or mm. was with him. But um, so, yeah, it all just kind of like I reckon me and him just fell into place like a jigsaw. We both definitely weren't looking for anything at the time. The timing was probably not right, but, you know, things just happen. And he was always travelling. We kind of did this perfect long-distance arrangement. Like I'm quite an independent person. I don't need someone with me 24-7, but we just like had this great relationship where like he can kind of travel the world doing what he does and I'm I'm proud of him and happy for him and he just trusted that I was just back home and I was working hanging out with the girls and like we're both just cruisy people like that and and it just worked and I think he just he loved coming home and having like a really grounded person that like I just wanted to hang out and be carefree and chill by the beach and he just kind of needed an escape away from snowboarding when he wasn't overseas mm. snowboarding so yeah, we were just like kind of perfect for each other and we're like polar opposites. I'm pretty cruisy and he's like very, you know, he's professional. He was well, he was five years older than me but he's like very, you know what he's like, he's quite mature. Mm. So um, but it was just like, yeah, our relationship just happened so perfectly and, and fast I'd say. Like we moved in together pretty quickly. Mm. We lived in DY together in the unit that he bought in like, 2012 we moved in there we stayed in there for six years and then we then bought our dream house on the gold gold coast in 2018 
and moved up up here. We set up like this dream house, I guess. Mm. We've got our dog, perfect house. We've got like this pool, four bedrooms, like a music studio for Charm. He had like grand plans after he was going to finish snowboarding of starting a podcast like every other man and their dog. And, <laughs> me and yeah, you. <laughs> me and you <laughs> and everyone else. And um, doing like motivational speaking. Like he was and like being a musician that he was, mm. I guess like he was going to go into heaps. So he had like this perfect setup kind of happening. He was definitely about to finish up snowboarding too and we were trying for a baby for like the last year or year and a half of his life. Um, and then, yeah, literally one day he just like left left the house one day to go and get in the ocean, go spearfishing, catch some dinner for us. And then just I just got this knock on the door and basically he just had a shallow water blackout and he didn't he just didn't come home that day and I'm still I'm still sometimes like, is he just going to walk through the door? Like it's just bizarre. Oh, it's like reading that chapter of your book, I'm pretty good with loss and especially your story because I've been quite mm-hmm. close to you along the whole journey. Obviously my sister, Chloe's your best friend. You have the podcast together. I've listened mm-hmm. to a lot of the stuff that you guys have both been through over the last couple of years. But I was reading that chapter and without even realising it was like just water started falling out of my face. It was mm. the wildest experience. Just obviously because I knew know you, I knew Chumpy quite well, your family, um, brother, your dad, or I mean <clears throat> your brother, mom and dad are all people who I've had in my life as well over yeah. the years. So just reading that was just like it just – and I'm sure it even for you just doesn't even still at times feel real. Like It doesn't feel real at all. Like it really doesn't feel real. Especially Weirdly, especially now that I've put out the book and I'm having so many people say, oh, my God, it's so like can't even read it. Like my book's drenched like it's wet, mm. you know. And I, it is just the most surreal thing ever. Like I just don't know when it's going to feel real. And it's not that I don't know that he's gone and I don't believe it. And I, Like I literally know it's a mm. fact. But sometimes it's like just my brain can't connect that like it literally is true. It's weird. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going through a phase at the moment because I feel like about six months ago I really felt it, the weight of it and the like I felt like it kind of did hit me like a bus. I don't know if it's like hormones with having mini and I, I honestly can't yeah. tell you, but at the moment, in this very moment, it just kind of doesn't feel real. I'm kind of floating again. Yeah. Wow. And I go through these phases and it's like the shock and the grief and then they just like, I don't know, weirdly, because I have such a busy, crazy life and then I have like this grief that I deal with like at the same time. It's like this balancing act. Mm, it's like it's understanding so that it's, weird. Oh, it's, so, oh, it's so hard to comprehend what you've been through. And I don't think anyone ever can unless they've been through it. So after he passed away, I want to talk about that 48 hours after because obviously something happened that was a miracle really and is something that is very rare to have happened, um, which is post-mortem sperm retrieval. Mm. Do you want to talk about that process? Obviously in your early times straight after um, it happened, you weren't in any real headspace to make big decisions. What can you remember about after it happening of that? Yeah, so I remember the day after Chump passed, I was kind of um, sitting on my back deck. There was people all through my house. My house was just full of people. It was like also like like a florist in there. And um, I remember just kind of had my head in my knees and I was just like 
what's going on? Like, what's real? What's not? Like, you know, just, this is fucking bizarre. But I had no emotion. I was just numb. Mm. And I, my brother came up to me and was like, Laura and Chloe and mum are talking about post-mortem sperm retrieval or something. He said something along the lines of getting chumpy sperm. And I just straight away, and he goes, what do you think? And I just straight away remember saying, and this isn't that clear in my head, I just, but I just kind of remember it. And I just remember going, yes, go for it go do what you have to do like i don't yeah i don't i don't even need to talk about whatever you're talking about let's just do it the answer is yes and chumpy's parents chris and sally they were also on board because we weren't married you had to have like the family's consent as well they knew we were trying for a baby like they knew each month we were like hoping we're pregnant and everything so they were like all for it as well but also in the sense that well, we can't even comprehend what's just happened, like where the hell is Chump, but if we don't do this weird thing, which is harvest his sperm, if we don't do this now, we won't have the opportunity in a year or two years or whenever we're feeling right for El to go and potentially have his baby or try to have his baby. So it's just this weird fucking decision that we just had to kind of go, yeah, okay, let's just do it because we only have a few hours. Yeah, yeah. And um, Chloe, Chloe came across this awesome IVF doctor after she'd called a bunch of them and his name is Dr. Andrew Davidson and he's just literally a lifesaver. And he went and did the procedure where he grabbed the sperm out of Chump and his beautiful wife told me like three months later that she like held, oh no, she told me like almost a year later, sorry, mm. that she like held Chump's hand during this this really quick procedure to harvest his sperm. And then he was the IVF doctor that then um, made an embryo with my eggs and Chump's sperm and then put, the little embryo inside me that then became mini. Little mini moo, which mini she's moo. out on a walk with our great friends Corey and Carol right now. Shout giving out. Giving us our little um little time to chat about <laughs> your story. But we're gonna catch back up to Mini shortly. But there's a period after Chumpy passing away up until you even do the mm. IVF that is obviously so, so hard. And this is a part of the podcast I think where people are really gonna get something out of because dealing with grief is something that is unique for everybody and everybody's story is so different and it's something that anyone who's a young male or female who loses their partner mm. I mean you can't obviously make no one would ever prepare for it so what was that like for you dealing with that sort of grief after what were some of the things that people did that helped what were some mm. of the things that didn't help because I think anyone listening will have somebody in their life that loses somebody, whether it be a partner, whether it be a friend, whether it be a parent that's really close to them. And it's very hard to know what to say when people do lose somebody. What were some of the best and worst things that sort of people did for you? Not even pointing fingers at people who did the worst stuff. Obviously don't say names, but just from what you can remember. Um, Look, people, I I can't even think of some of the worst things, but I mean, um, I was just so fortunate and lucky to have friends around me and I and pe- and like amazing family and people that just literally enveloped me and like the local community as well and I know lots of people lose people and don't have this kind of support so I feel so badly for them and I just there's so many online communities right like you know widow groups or just like grieving groups that where people can find like a friend online to chat to and things um having people around I and, and I didn't want people to think they had to distract me or like not talk about Trump or not point the elephant in, point out the elephant in the room. I wanted people to acknowledge it, to talk to me about it, to not pretend it wasn't there. Like mm. I hate it when people just like 
do this fluffy thing and they kind of think, oh, oh like, and dance around it and then they're kind of a bit like, so do you mind if I ask, da, da, da. like I don't want to remind you. And I'm like, no, you thank, like, <laughs> thanks for asking because yeah. it's fucking in my head 24-7. You're not reminding me of anything. Like I just lo- love it. All I can say is personally if you're helping or supporting your friend grieving, I just think just you're almost – like I like it when people just come in hard and they just want to, you know, give you the biggest cuddle and just be like, L, I, like I'm just so sorry. There's because there's no words. There's just mm. no words, but just like fully acknowledge it and just kind of be there. And there's so many things like people think they have to say or there's just like platitudes and people like it's going to take time, like just things that you say and like, you know, there's people don't know what to say. So things like those kind of platitudes to me are just like so unhelpful. Mm. But people don't know what to say. So I'm I'm not, and I'm not one of those people, like I speak to some other grievers that are like, oh, they said and did this, da-da-da, and that just really offended me. And I'm very much like, oh, I'm, I almost feel awkward for some of my friends or some of the people that are around me because I know that they're struggling with what they're going to say or are they going to put their foot in it? Are they going to piss me off if they start talking about their partner or how they just got engaged or something? And I'm... I'm so not like that. I honestly felt bad for some of the people around me that they were going to feel so awkward. I didn't want people feeling awkward around me. I didn't want people to, to treat me differently. Because it doesn't change what's happening. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I want to still be me. Please treat me like me. You know, like let's talk about chump. Like let's mm. like don't make this weird. Like I'm so lucky that people didn't or like my closest friends didn't make it weird or like I hear of a lot of people in my shoes that lost a lot of friends because they didn't know how to be or Mm. act and it just got too awkward and they just like kind of went their separate ways. And I it was like, I don't know how I, I don't know how that didn't happen, but I'm very like a welcoming, inviting person. I I don't know. I just wanted people to feel comfortable around Mm. me even though this fucked up thing had happened. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't know. I, I'm also, I, yeah, Coops. Everyone's just unique. It's it's like yeah, I think so many people is. will get a lot out of it just that to know that just showing up. That's just the thing. Just showing up, like whether yeah. it be rocking up and yeah. giving them a hug, taking them a coffee, and just being there. Yeah, is um something that I've learned a lot from yours and Chloe's podcast, Darling Shine. Which I want to quickly talk about that chapter, and then I want to um touch on your dad and what happened there because that's um extremely sad to pile on top. But what was that? Darling Shine was launched before your dad passed away. Yeah. yeah. So we got the news that dad was terminally ill with cancer a month after Chump passed away. Oh, Didn't know. I mean, yeah, he he survived like another year and a half after that. We actually thought he was going to pass away like within months. So we actually kind of got really lucky that he stuck around for another year and a half and he was pretty good for like a year. Um, And then Chloe and I started Darling Shine like a year after Chump passed-ish, I would say. Yeah. Crazy. So I, Crazy yeah. because Chumpy was going to start a podcast. He's the person that, like, does this media shit. He would have written a book. He would have done all this stuff for sure. And it's just so weird and I, like, hate that I, people, like, hate that I'm doing it because it's just not right. It's it just, it's the weirdest it, it, thing. It's just, I mean, the last conversation I had with Chumpy, I remember it standing in your guys' garage, like, a week before he passed away. <gasps> was talking about getting him to come on and be a guest on Good Humans podcast because, as you know, and everyone does, he would have been a perfect guest for Good Humans. It would have been perfect. And, yeah, that was, like, the last conversation I had with him. So just, No way. Like, yeah, dreadful. But, yeah, obviously, and as well, I was speaking to him about my speaking gigs and him saying he wants to get into, like, the public speaking and yeah. had some big plans for that with Teeny, our friend, to do some camps and really bring the kids up. Like, yeah. 
it's um yeah it's obviously such a painful thing to know like what more could have been but it's also incredible to see the celebration of life that we all that obviously has been since and what's come with the chumby foundation but let's go back into your story real quickly um because i want to talk about your dad and your dad having brain cancer and how that was to deal with differently to still grieving for chumpy yeah so i feel like i could like chump was such a shock it just happened so quickly and like it took me Honestly, it took like ages to get my head around it. I still don't have my head around it really. And then to hear that dad was terminally ill but he was going to kind of die slowly, I couldn't even take that on board because I was just like, what the hell? Like how how is this now true? Like I can't just lose two of the biggest people in my life. Like, And I literally kept saying to my brother like, you cannot leave the house. You and ne- you, you need to be wrapped in cotton wool because he's like, out of all of them, he's like the roguest one. He does like he's a daredevil when it comes to like you know shit that he does. He's like one of those like maniacs that will just Wing be it. like, I'll do this trick or da 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 da. And like I have always been worried about something happening to my brother, but he's the last man standing in our family. Thank God. Like I cannot lose my brother. I like have this terrible thing in my head that something's gonna like I I should not touch wood but like I'm just so worried that like people die and I'm like now I'm aware of that Mm. you know so I'm like fucking the impact that that has on the people around and like you hear someone pass away and you're like oh that's heavy but then you forget direct impact at the forever for the people around them exactly like it's 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 never not gonna be just the the biggest hole yeah Mm. so dad and then yeah so I guess having dad die slowly we were able to talk about things like dad what like you know bucket list things what do you want to do like kind of able to really say goodbye which was beautiful because we Mm. didn't get that with chump obviously but yeah i don't know it's it's so awful to see someone deteriorate like Mm. that um thank god i had my brother with me and we just did everything together and you know wrapped my dad in so much love but to be honest Dad is gone now and it, the, he passed away earlier this year in January and that it just like really doesn't feel real. I don't know when that one's going to hit. I literally went to call him the other day. It just doesn't feel like he's gone at all. And also because he lived in Sydney and I live on the Gold Coast. So, so. you've kind of had that distance yeah. already anyway. I would you... always go down and see him. Like we talked all the time and I was always in Sydney seeing mm. him. But like it's sometimes I'm up here just thinking he's down there in his house and he's okay. Mm. it's bizarre it's a bizarre thing grief just like your mind kind of go turns to mush and then put on top of that having a baby and like not sleeping heaps like i feel like sometimes not much is going through my brain yeah i want to let's talk um mini journey now so mini moo mini moo the absolute angel she is um when did you decide you know what it's time to pull the pin with ivf i feel like i'm cheating because i just literally finished your book a couple (laughs) days ago so i already know a lot of these answers but for the listeners who all have to go and pick up your book um when did you decide you know what it's time to pull the trigger on IVF and this is probably a unique question to come from me as well was it tricky because the big like the two top main topics of Darling Shine are infertility with my sister and Fisher really trying and um you obviously grieving from Chumpy Mm. your dad was and this doesn't, and I don't know how to sound to say this without sounding insincere, not even insincere, because I know in the book that you both know that it doesn't, but there had to be some like underlying feeling like, oh, Chloe, like if I get like pregnant, I feel like, bad. Yeah. Yeah. So Chloe and I actually did transfers at the exact same time. So, so we were both yeah. doing IVF at the same time. So basically, I spent about six months 
down in, sorry, about four months down in Sydney with my dad, with my brother to spend time with dad just after he got diagnosed. So Chump passed away about two months later, we went down to Sydney to hang out with dad. I was just hanging out with friends down there, spending as much quality time with dad as possible. And then as I was heading back up to the Gold Coast in December that year, so like this is like two years ago. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, yeah two years ago ish. I was like, I, I'm, I'm ready. I need to do this baby thing. Like, I just, I need to put need my head to something, him, and, yeah. and I want to bring a piece of him back if I can. Like, I'm, I feel ready for this. Come on, let's go. Chloe, I did. A, we both happened to be doing IVF at the same time. She did her transfer a week after me, so I was a week ahead. I fell pregnant that month hers didn't take basically she didn't fall pregnant that month um I think we were both just so happy for me that I fell pregnant I was I'm every time Chloe doesn't fall pregnant you know she's done Mm. a few rounds of IVF and she has lost a few babies I'm absolutely gutted for her like and fish it's just Mm. absolutely horrible I think the thing with Chloe and I is that like She's got Fisher. She's got this beautiful relationship with him. And, like, as much as I want her to have a baby, the same way she wants me to have Chumpy back. Do you know what I mean? It's like we're both craving what each other has, Mm. except I also was craving a baby too. So we're both wanting a baby. We're both wanting this perfect life where we have our fucking husbands and we have our babies. Mm. And I lost Chump. She's got Fish. She's trying trying for the bub. I got the bub. Like, it's going to happen for her. I've got – I just – yeah, I, I, it's got to happen. But, um, it, yeah, I was absolutely gutted for her. And I and I did, you know what, when I started. And you tried sh- one round of IVF first, it failed, yeah. Yeah, so that's right. Sorry, I did try a round of IVF. That failed and the second one worked. That was mini. And, like, as I started showing and I did get pregnant, I, I do remember feeling bad and, and, you know, not wanting to, like, be crazy and flaunted and, like, talk about it heaps with her, even though she was, like, the proudest, yeah. happiest friend of me, me, mm. mine, like, you know. Um, but, yeah, it always is a bit tough and you're always, like, I'm always conscious of how other people, like, mm. you know, you're, you're just thinking about other people all the time, feeling, yeah. hoping they're all right. Um, so, yeah, and then nine months later, Minimoo was born and that was just really cool because she came out straight. My mum came to into the birthing suite with me and um she cut the cord and everything Minnie just looks exactly like chump like (laughs) she just came out with his beady little like kind of almondy eyes and brown eyes and she came out with dark brown hair he had that when he was born and she's kind of just like a mini chump oh she's um she's a little angel isn't she it's crazy to watch her grow up and Watch a full rave baby now over <laughs> all the Fisher concerts. She's done a lot in her one year. Absolutely. So once she was born, that was when you went down and spent quite a bit of time with your dad. Yeah. How nice was that getting to let your dad have his little granddaughter for the last kind of few months of his life? So special. So when we went down there, dad was already kind of out of it and we were told that he just had weeks to live. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to have this. Like I just really want my dad to meet. Chumpy and my uh, our daughter Mm. so as soon as she was born I just kind of nurtured her for a few weeks at home we just had our time like three weeks not even maybe two and a half and then I darted down to see dad with Minnie obviously and the dog Rummy and dad was just so cute he honestly wasn't doing much except for just lying in bed and I would just put Minnie was asleep 24 7 because she was a newborn baby so I would always just chuck Minnie straight on his chest and the two of them would just sleep there together for hours on end and end and it was just beautiful so cute so I he I'm not sure what mental capacity he was in or if he 
how much he knew about what was going on. But, um, I mean, look, he loved her and I've got some really cute pictures of them together and I just love in my heart that they got to meet and have, like, a few naps together mm. <laughs> and just, like, you know, at least meet. Yeah, it's just... uh, I'm sure. And as well, like, I'm sure he's up there talking to Chumpy, telling Chumpy mm. all about little Minnie and... I, yeah, I hope so. I just, I'm sure they are. Yeah, he, Dad was so cute. He'd always just be like, you know what? Can't wait to just see Chump. Like, I'm going to... Don't worry about me. I'm going to see him soon. We're going to be... Like doing karaoke together soon. We're good. Like he was just, he just had this great outlook on death mm. and he knew what was coming. So he was just like very positive and he'd lived such a full life. And not that he wanted, obviously, no one wants to die. He didn't, well, you know, I guess people do, but he, he didn't want to die, but he was just so realistic with what was coming. And he just was so great at talking about it, which just gave me such a comfort. Mm. Like he wouldn't shy away from it. He was, saying that he was going to see Chump. It was just really cute. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see the contrast between obviously mm. losing Chumpy so quickly to watching your kind of dad deteriorate. And that's what I want to chat quickly about next, kind of the stages of grief from what you've experienced. Mm. What has been somewhat, I mean, and obviously it's so different for everybody, but what has kind of been the time frames for you? Like you said now, sometimes you still kind of, yeah. Uh, I just... People what, what have been things that have helped? Have you done like any reading or have you seen mm, any counsellors or what have been some of the things that have really helped and what have been the, some of the things that haven't really helped? Yeah, so straight away I was worried about my grief and what, what would happen to me. So straight away when Trump passed away, I started booking into psychiatrists, psychologists and things. I just thought I've got to talk, to, I've got to get professional help. Mm. Like I'm worried, what you know, how yeah. am I going to go with this? And it just didn't resonate. Like maybe I didn't find the right one but I just – I felt weird just sitting there talking about this crazy story that had just happened in my life that I didn't even quite relate to yet or associate with or even believe was true and I just felt like this broken record and I was sick of talking about me and myself. Like, to be honest, this is probably like I'm still so sick of talking about yeah. myself, I like especially with the book and stuff. I just feel like a broken record all the time. But I um, just that didn't resonate. I wasn't getting much out of that. So I liked going and seeing clairvoyance, psychics, natural healing. I liked going to acupuncture. I liked being like, and I'm not a woo-woo person really typically at all, but I loved being like energetically like healed. Mm. I like I liked being like, you know, Reiki and things like that. And that that just kind of worked for me and since Chumpy, have you felt like you're a little bit more of a woo-woo person? Yeah, I know you've definitely. had a couple. Tell me a couple no. of the stories that are in the book that are 100%. like Chris and Laura on the way to the. Yeah, that was amazing. So, on the way to the funeral, we had like our two really close friends, um, Laura, who's the yeah. She's Laura. been on this podcast, Laura. Yeah, Enver. Laura Enver, Laura Enver, and her partner Jake, and then her brother Chris Enver, and then his partner Karina. So the four of them were in a taxi from Byron Bay to Melaleuca Gardens, which is where we had Chump's funeral up near like Chindra, yeah. yeah Kingscliff and they were in the taxi they hopped in the taxi apparently it was 11 11 and the guy the uber driver guy or whatever uber I think it was saw it come through and was like oh I'm gonna take this job he didn't tell them that he was a psychic or a clairvoyant when he went on the side yeah on the uber side driving. yeah exactly and um he goes so where are you guys off to today and um yeah, they go, oh, we're actually going to a funeral. And the Uber driver goes, oh, it was a young man who 
drowned, wasn't it? Someone died under the water. He's he's telling me good luck. He's saying to me, I want to say good luck to you. And he goes, why would he be saying good luck to you? And Chris go, they were shaking in their boots in the back of the car. Sat, yeah, yeah, he yeah, said something like, yeah. oh, I, I, I think you're going to a guy's funeral oh, wow. and he wants to say good luck to you and don't be worried or something like that. And they... And he goes, but why would he be saying good luck to you? And Chris goes, I'm the MC of the day. So he's just saying like, you know, it's just bizarre. And then when they pulled up, um, they got out of the car. He then apparently, the Uber driver saw me and my mum pull up in the car next to him as he was about to leave. And he said, Chumpy was in the car with the Uber driver. I sent like, you know, his spirit was in the car. And he said, that's my partner, Elle. And that's our dog, Rummy, because obviously Rummy came to the funeral. And I'm going to be coming through Rummy today. I'm going to be inside Rummy and I'm going to be giving everyone love through Rummy today. And my dog is such a, um, my dog is such a, like a, she's a shy, she's mm-hmm. a Kelpie. She just, she's like a, she just hangs out with me. She doesn't go to other people much. She just like, so she, she just sits by me all the time. And during the funeral, she was like, after, after our good friend Baden who sung, um, who's from Ocean Alley, who sung like the intro song mm. before before the funeral started. He went back and sat down after he did his solo. Rummy runs up to Baden, jumps all over him, kissing him, like saying thank you basically. And then after people do their speech, like their eulogies and things, Rummy would go up and say thank you. And then our friend, like Chumpy's best friend Cam, who was actually at Chumpy's funeral, but I guess he wasn't probably supposed to be because yeah. of COVID things. He was like, at the back of the funeral, he said, "El, don't even acknowledge me. I'm not really supposed yeah, to yeah. be here." He was like in a disguise at the back of the funeral. Remember. He was like, <laughs> he, he was like so- dressed like a scarecrow. He had like this big Wasn't hat there on. A and video stuff. message from him, but it was he was sitting up the back too. Yes, so he was that not supposed to be there it's because of all the border crap and he wasn't meant to yes, be there. The border, COVID like, things, yeah. and so he sent this big speech in on a um like a video. Yeah, so that was up on this big board like you know the present the the tv thing and during that rummy has run all the way to the back of the crowd there's 500 people at this funeral he's run rummy she's run all the way back up and jumped on cam who was at the back of the crowd like rummy also doesn't even know cam they've met once because he lives in melbourne and Mm. rummy was only a year old or old or something so that's just crazy and it's so true that rummy Chumpy was in Rummy for sure. Mm. She was just acting bizarre at the funeral and she was so loving to everyone. Like people were like to me, I was having, you know, I was really upset at the funeral when I was listening to so-and-so speak and like next minute Rummy's on my lap saying hello, giving me a kiss and a cuddle and they're like, I just knew that was Chump because Rummy doesn't just come up to me. Wow. So just things like that are just crazy and that's when I started to go, oh, like, you know, maybe I need to kind of not be so closed off to that stuff and it's not that I'm really open like I'm not not open to anything I'm like open to whatever but I don't see like a rainbow or a whale jump and go oh there's chumpy da 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 like I'm so not like that at all but I'm not closed off to that stuff and I just I really do believe he's around me nurturing me protecting me me and Minnie and like looking after us I feel like he kind of had a bit of a plan here Mm, I really feel that yeah, obviously the plan would have been nice to have him here, but now having Minnie and yeah, bit of yeah. a shit plan, chump. Oh, I know it's. It, 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 I just can't even. There's no word. It's not. It's like something that There's I feel no like so words. many people must do this kind of feel like. It's, 
it's like you can't really put into words. You can't put into words the grav- gravity of what of a loss, especially like, I mean, every loss, but when a young person just goes like vanishes into thin air like that, I just like I I just don't think I'll ever get my head around how he was just there one second and then just not there. Mm. Like it's crazy, and the impact what? that he's uh, obviously had on so many young people in the snow industry and growing up since his passing with obviously a massive input from you and a great team of people, you've started the Chumpy Pull and Foundation, which I'm actually an ambassador for, which is really cool. Yes, um, brother. Which is epic to get involved in the mental health side of stuff and, yeah, continue so to live good. on um, Chumpy's legacy. So what does that mean to you and what is the Chumpy Foundation? How can people support it? So the Chumpy Pull and Foundation is all about getting people of like all walks of life and people who normally wouldn't have like access to the snow because you know the snow is a bit sometimes like a rich person yeah. sport we didn't go to the snow much as kids no did we? we did i did not go to the snow <laughs> Neither ever. Did I. the chapman clan did neither <laughs> yeah exactly so um and chump was just lucky he literally lived in mount Bull- he grew up in mount bullis that was at the what well, mansfield so he at the bottom of mount mm. bullis so he was really lucky to just happen to grow up at the snow but um, so it's all about just giving people, giving more young people and anyone opportunity to get to the snow. We've already had done a bunch of indigenous camps at the snow and just giving funding to those, you know, young frothers that want to kind of give border cross a, a go or any sport, any snow sport. Mm. Or, and it's going to move into more sports like surfing and skating and even music as well. Like just kind of getting out there and doing things and just giving kids more access to participate. So that's what it's all about. Um, we have the next Chumpy Pool and Gala coming up next May, which we're already selling tickets for. So we're doing events to fundraise for it like that. Yeah. There's also just you can just donate. I'm about to actually sign I think about a 1,000 heartstrong books and post them to people overseas who want to buy them because at the moment it's not being sold overseas so and people are like i want to get your book overseas which is really cool i don't know why it's not being sold over there yet yeah it's crazy but, i was speaking to Carol, my partner and she's like oh my god i gotta get it for my friends so oh, she just bought like three copies here in oz and she's gonna send them over to them no way yeah so so people overseas can't get it so i decided i would sign a thousand of them sell them online and um, I guess charge like an extra bit on top of what I could buy them for. I think I buy them wholesale, so I'll charge more and then all that will go to the Chumpy Pool and Foundation. That's awesome. So just any little thing people can do to raise money and everyone's doing an amazing job. Honestly, I'm not the one behind the foundation. Like I am behind it, but there's a crew of 10 or 12 amazing people doing like day in, day out work for it. So they're they're the real heroes here. Yeah, which I'm excited to get more involved next year and yes. get down the snow and do some fun stuff and, yeah, really try and make the legacy live on. But the last little topic I want to quickly touch on is the book Heart Strong. How's that journey been? When did the idea pop up for the book? I'm sure you had many publishers reaching mm. out to you wanting to be able to give you a platform to share your story because it is so unique but it's also mm. so, so powerful. As I've said multiple times in this podcast, it's something that brought me to tears many a times um but i think it's an important book for so many to read just because i think it does outlie what can happen in life to people as tragic as Mm. it is but yeah when did the book come about and when um how was that journey writing a book so it's like one of those things when i guess something crazy happens to your life it's a story for everyone else so lots of people like kind of just want a piece of you and i was so closed off to the book thing for ages probably the first two years really this Mm. came up at the beginning of this year 
Um, and I did have book publishers come through to me and I was, I'm not a book person. I don't, I actually don't read. And I was like, no, like I'm not writing a book. I, I can't be bothered. I don't have time. Also, I don't even read. I don't know the book world, like not going to happen. And then one of our, like one of my best friends, Maya, who you've also grown yeah. up with too, her mum's really good friend is the head publisher at Hachette, which is the company that published my book. So she happened to be at Mayer's one day when I was staying there and she was like, Elle, I would love to write, I would love to help you write your book. Can you just, can can we talk about it? So we did and it just felt super organic to talk with her. I was like, I don't know the book space, like this whole thing scares me. She's like, I'll find an awesome writer who you can work with day in, day out. You can tell, like you can just honestly she can come and stay with you. So Ali Pasco was the writer that Vanessa found and she's amazing. She came and stayed with me. We spent like days on the phone talking and she kind of just pieced together everything and wrote this book with me and she's just amazing. She's young. She's actually like 28. She's, I think, she's like young on, I don't know, we might be the same age, but she's just, it just felt so right once mm. I met Vanessa and then met Ali and honestly it came together within like, Four months. Wow. We started writing in like Feb or March and it was fully finished in July. Or wow. Yeah, crazy. So, and it was. Was it hard uh, reliving through the story yeah. that deep or did you feel because of Darling Shine, because yeah. of some interviews he'd done obviously with the news and whatnot? Yeah. Did you feel, or was it quite difficult because you had to go like really, really deep into deep. stuff? Or was it I think it was really therapeutic and good for me. Um, It did just all happen really fast. So, no, it wasn't not anything I couldn't handle, but yeah, it was pretty hectic and it, it made me like kind of look at my life from another perspective and like fr- from just zoom like as it. a whole. Yeah, zoom out for sure. Um, but now that it's kind of done and the like it, the last month, I guess, has been pretty hectic and as Straight I said, the this, top of the bestsellers list sold out. You can barely buy it anywhere. Oh yeah, it's ha- it has been pretty well received, which is really cool. Um, but I just feel like I didn't realize releasing a book would be that hectic. Like it, it has just become, and I sometimes just feel with the interviews and things that come with releasing a book, like that's weighed hev- way more heavily on me than actually the writing process because. There's people in the, the media Probing do, every they part come, of the book. yeah, and they just ask you these questions with kind of not much insensitive, yeah, behind them. And I'm just like, I'm just another story to you. Like this yeah. is my life. I had to live it. I was there that day. That was like, you know, my life just crashed, and and this is kind of a story. And you're just frothing to get the niggly bits. And I don't know. I've I've honestly felt. Not that I'm not glad I did it because I know how many other widows or other grievances. You should have wrote and just is... dropped it and let people read yeah, it. Yeah, exactly, side of it. exactly. If I didn't have to do the media side of it, it'd be all rainbows and butterflies. But honestly, the media overall have been great, but I feel like it's taxing. Like you're doing the same interview five times a day. Yeah, and I think that's weighed way heavily on me than actually writing the book itself because although that was hectic, it was also really therapeutic mm. and. And I felt like I could give myself a break and Ali was really gentle with me. Whereas like, obviously, you know, you're doing interviews with the media and shit. They, they just, they got to get, they're working too. Mm. You know, they need what they, you know. But overall, apparently it's helped lots of people. It's, uh, you know, apparently it's going really well. So I'm, I'm pretty happy that it's helping people. It's normalizing grief and talking about 
people that are gone and sharing Chump's story, which is the main reason why I wanted to do it. Yeah, how proud are you to have, for one, the book and one day I'm sure when Minnie's up to it, you'll probably mm. sit there and read it to her when she can be old enough to read it. I'm so lucky that I've got like Chumpy's music to show Minnie. I've got that documentary to show Minnie. I've got the book that she can read. Like I think she'll have a really strong sense of where she came from, who her dad is. Um, I always just want to be really open with her about our story and what happened. Yeah, I think that's always that was just a little question kind of towards the end that I want to finish on is what uh, another like weird one to like ask. I feel like so many people must get like this with interviews with you, but what do you see kind of your future looking like now or how far ahead are you kind of thinking? Obviously, Mini's your mm. absolute world. Yeah. I know you spoke about it in the book. It's not even something, to be honest, I want to talk to you about like relationships again. Mm. But, yeah, what are some of the things that you're most worried about with Minnie growing up and what are the, some of the things that you're most excited about? Um, I do worry that she – I look, I think about her having, like, no dad and I do worry about that, but she does – But I mean, and I always worried about that going into this. It's not like I didn't think about yeah, this yeah. before I even tried to have her. It's just that I, I'm constantly thinking, like, I'm looking at her and – just going, oh, my God, he would just love you so much. He would do this and that with you. He would just be amazing. He would just be obsessed with her and mm. she would just be equally as obsessed with him. And so that breaks my heart. But then I've got amazing people like my brother and Fisher who is obsessed with her and she's obsessed with him. Just like she's got beautiful father figures in her life, so I'm really lucky for that. But, yeah, obviously um, I do just I do just hope she always has that like, and I, I always surround myself with good people, so she'll mm. always feel like she belongs, and I know that. That's a priority of mine. So, like, when I say I do worry about that, I just I I just want to create this, this like, energy around her where she's always got that support. And something in the book that I really liked that you wrote about when you talked about this topic was the fact that you're like, there's so many single mums out there. Yeah. So it's like I'm, you're not. I'm yeah. not the first person who's had a baby alone. Like, I mean, lots of people go and get egg, do- uh, sorry, sperm donors, and they literally have babies alone where they don't have contact or ne- don't even know the dad, which is absolutely beautiful. They're mm. giving, you know, someone a new life, and they're they're almost rebirthing themselves as a mum, and it's so mm. beautiful. Like, and that's kind of what I've done too. Except I know Minnie's dad really well. I'm in love with him, and I can show her mm. all about him, and so. I I feel like I've just done the best thing ever for her and for me and I'm so glad that I've done it. I think a lot of people, I think there was like people going, what is this chick doing? Why would she do that? And not that I really care what anyone thinks, but now that it's happened, now that she's here, it's just so meant to be and I'm so grateful and I feel so blessed and lucky that I've done, the, that she's here. Yeah, it's been, it's been so cool watching you be a mom and watching you guys grow together and, overcome all the obstacles that come with being a young mom and then a young single or widow mom. So mm. it's, yeah, it, it's so unique, your story. I just want to quickly, before we finish, touch on your Europe trip. How has that <laughs> taken Minnie on her first ever oh, so big cool. overseas trip, Chloe and Fisher? Yeah. Maybe the youngest rave baby on the planet, the viral sensation, more Instagram followers than most people, Minnie. I can how, um Yeah, how fun was Europe? I can't believe that video, how viral that video went. I remember Fish, so... Minnie came to one of Fisher's shows when we were in Spain, this little like rave bush doof situation and absolutely loved it. And then after Chloe's like, oh, look at this really cool video I took and Fish just goes, oh, I'm going to whack that up. Do you reckon it's good? I'm like, meh, 
yeah, it's pretty cool, whatever. Next minute, he's just like, wow, this thing's going like absolutely viral. Anyway, Minnie then became the rave baby. <laughs> um, but no, she's just really cool. She's like, you know, she's she's pretty easygoing. And I think because I did take her to Europe and we did have to hop on a million planes and we did travel Europe. We went to like a bunch of different countries. We went to Greece with my mum. We spent three weeks with her, which was amazing. And then we hopped over to see Chloe and Fish in Ibiza. And then, and then we kept extending and extending. This Fisher just was obsessed with Minnie and wouldn't let us go home, which was really cute. He's just, I think he hops off the stage and he's like, where's Minnie? I need to see Minnie. I'm like, go out partying with his, your friends. He's like, nah, nah, I just want Minnie. He's just obsessed and it's so cute. So I didn't want to leave either. So we just stayed and stayed and we went to on tour with him basically and Chloe and it was just so fun. And I'm so grateful that I got to mm. do that with Minnie at such a young age. And when she's at this perfect age where she can't walk, she, you know, she's kind of just, it's an easy compact little Accessory. thing to bring everywhere. <laughs> yeah, just my little plus one little pocket rocket that just, that just fits in my arm. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that's really shaped her already. Like, I mean, I know she's just turned one, but I feel like, I feel like that's been pivotal part of her life. Like she's, she's kind of just that, that just definitely shaped her. That yeah, trip. little miracle baby. And obviously so she loves music, goes in, follows like her dad and knows. She's got little guitars. She like, you put on a song and you see her head like bopping. I'm like, wow, she's got like, she's. She's into music already. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I think. Who knows? God. Yeah. I sound like one of those mums that's like, my kid's just advanced. <laughs> She's going to be very, very loved, I think, the whole way through her life. Old Minnie as right now. She's gone for a little excursion with She's... my beautiful partner, Carol, and our good friend, Corey. So I'm sure they're so having a ball right cute. now. Um, last question I want to ask you is, What's coming up for you? What's um on the horizon for the next year or two? Mm. What's coming up with Darling Shine for what you can share? I know there is some exciting stuff. I don't know when you guys are allowed to announce mm. what's going on. But, yeah, what are you looking forward to next year? What are you guys going to try build with Darling Shine? Yes. So Darling Shine's coming out in Feb. We do have exciting news with Darling Shine that I can't really share yet, but it's going to be cool. I just can't wait to start recording again. Well, Chloe and I have already started recording, but just to get back into that. Um, as far as everything else goes, we, we might do a trip to Bali. We might go back to Europe next year. Um, we've got Christmas coming up. Honestly, I don't even have real plans for anything right now. I think we're just going to enjoy summer at home with Rummy, our dog and Minnie and mum and my brother. It's time to relax because yeah. last Christmas was your dad yep. going through all his stuff. Exactly. The Christmas before was your first Christmas without Chumpy. It yeah. seems like now is just a year to actually I just really take wanna... a breath and chill. Exactly, Cooper. Yes, I just want to relax this Christmas. I don't want any pressure around it. I just want to chill. And I just actually want to stay at home. I just want to be up on the Gold Coast. Like I feel you. I feel like... I feel like we're always being dragged left, right and centre and I'm just like I'm so happy to just stay put at home for a little mm. while for the next few months. Absolutely. I feel you. I'm yes. excited. Don't so. have major plans for next year. I feel like I just. You're raising a little baby. Yeah, Raising exactly. a little one, which will be fun. I mean, she's like the most, fa- it's so funny. We're at the Fisher concert down in Melbourne the other day and I had to like work as your personal security because oh, like people were so... waiting around after the festival. It's like 10 o'clock at night and you've got like, and one-year-old baby on your chest and people are like photo photo i'm like are you guys serious like asleep 
It's crazy. People are like, mini and noony. And I'm like, what about me, bitch? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People people recognize my dog, you know, as well. And they're like, rummy. And I'm like, fuck my dog. Like, people know my dog. <laughs> not crazy, not yeah. even me. So Rum weird. dog, you know. They're like, is this the dog that runs really fast? Oh, so yeah, rummy is beautiful as well. Well, thank you so much for having a chat. I feel like this has been long overdue. And I'm really? glad we got to wait until your book came out because that was kind of one of the things we were going to do this earlier in the year and then you're like, I've got my book coming out. I can't do anything. So it's great mm. to hopefully be able to get a bunch of people to try and grab your book for Christmas. It is something that you do not want to not read. It's it's incredible. Oh, okay. And it's, yeah, it's just your story oh. has just been so special to watch and your resilience in the way that you've not overcome but sheared through these dark times, whatever you want to call them, these turbulent times mm. has been um yeah, really profound and it's been so beautiful to see where you are now. Obviously Little Miracle Mini is just so special and yeah, I'm excited for what the future holds for you. It's um yeah, it's really exciting to watch you and Mini flourish together. But the last question I do finish every good humans podcast with, and I told you this before because you asked me when you're oh, on your yeah, way, let's like, see if you prepared this. So. I was like, what's that? I was going through drive through. I'm like, what's that question he always asks everyone? <laughs> so the question is, what does being a good human mean to Elodie Pullen? So I was thinking just in like this day and age, I want to say that I think having having just like being patient with people and realizing that everyone's got a story and people are going through things. Cause I think I used to, you know, you see someone being a bit of a jerk or a bit grumpy and you'd be like, just kind of judge them. judge them. And now I'm like, Oh, you know, they might've just lost someone or they might've gone through something hectic or, you know, like they could, they could really use a, like a cuddle or, Hey, how are you going? Or just give them space and don't judge them. So I just, mm. I want to say have empathy and have an open mind to what pe- other people are going through. And also, especially in this day and age with social media, I want to say, it, I, I, I don't want people to just be judged for like who they are, what they are, what kind of status they have, how much they earn. Like I want, I want like, can their to be like connection, like, you know, does that person look into your eyes and make you feel welcome and like do you leave that person's presence and feel like, oh, that was really, they made me feel good. Like I feel like that's what a good human does, you know. It's it's about like how you feel when you're around people and I want mm. people to always feel really like leave my presence feeling better about themselves or good about themselves. I, I just, and not judged mm. and I feel like like, at the moment, it's all about like people just trying to Look cool. be feel like this verified person, like I, I, you know, proving themselves. And I just, you yeah, know, you can work at Macca's, and I'll fucking absolutely love you. And I think <laughs> you're an absolute <laughs> legend because you've probably just got a beautiful soul, and you're giving me some chippies, and you're you're a better better bloody egg than some of the other douchebags that think they're this and that because. You know, you know what I mean? Like I just don't, yeah. No. So I think, not judging a book by their cover. Absolutely. Well, I think that's maybe one of my favourite answers for that question. I've <laughs> asked it about 75 times now and this, I think that was the most beautifully put. So congratulations. Oh, I feel like I put nothing beautifully. I'm always like I have an idea in my head and like the way that I say it, like it only makes sense to me. Mm, well, it will make sense to everyone listening. It's been phenomenal getting to catch up. I'm sure everyone will follow you after this on Instagram. I'm sure most of them already do follow you, to be honest. I'm probably back in this going to be the most listened to episode. You actually reshared one of my episodes with um Josh Wood, who's a great oh, friend I of ours, Josh who I actually you. met at um 
at the Chumpy Gala. Like by chance, we just sat How next to each other. It? Really? Yeah. <gasps> I love I'm pretty it. sure we were like a few around from each oh. other. And then by chance I moved and then he was sitting next to me. It's probably Chumpy, put, it's probably Chumpy putting us together once again. 100%. And we were sitting there talking about public speaking and what I do. And then he's like, oh, one second, he's got to go up. And he goes up and speaks. I was like, what the hell? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And you then, didn't know he was about to do that? No, I didn't even know that he was like, oh my God. I had no idea who he was. You didn't and know he his get, story. Yeah. No. Nah, and then he gets up and tells the story. I was like, dude, i got to have you on my podcast. And now little AJ is a good human ambassador. And oh, like, he's so cute. AJ's so cute. Oh, I love him. Isn't he the best? It's um, yeah. Josh amazing. is such a good speaker too. He should do that for a living. Well, he did. And yeah, then he kind of fell out of love with it, but he said he's going to come yeah. back. But anyway, make sure you go listen to Josh. Where I was going with that was by just you sharing that on your story that was like my most listened to day it's like you have a very engaged audience so hopefully lots of people listen to this if you have listened to it please do um share it on your stories tag both myself and elodie and yeah thank you so much for jumping on it's been an absolute pleasure love you coops thanks so much for having me thanks thanks brother ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 